You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Monica Bay. We've been writing about law and technology for more than 30 years. That's right. During that time, we've witnessed many changes and innovations. Technology is improving the practice of law, helping lawyers deliver their services faster and cheaper. Which benefits not only lawyers and their clients, but everyone. And moves us closer to the goal of access to justice for all. Tune in every month as we explore the new legal technology and the people behind the tech here on Law Technology Now. Monica Bay, co-host of Law Technology Now, Robert Ambrosi, will be on alternate months with me, and it's a complete delight. And I'm here today with Julie Pearl. She's a fantastic woman. I've had the pleasure of being able to interview her for Bloomberg Big Law Business, and I think I've interviewed you over the course of our mutual careers a million times. Julie, you're one of the few women I know who has been in both tech and law for, gosh, many, many years. You were a real pioneer. And I'd love it if you could tell our audience how you started both your law firm and very quickly your technology company. And right away, those two companies became inseparable, if you will. Tell us the background on that and how you got Pearl Law where it is. Thank you so much. We started both because of being passionate about wanting to solve certain problems. So, for example, the law firm, how did I get into immigration? In college at Stanford, I was in the International Students' House, surrounded by very talented people, and became aware of what they went through, their actual pain of, am I going to be able to stay in this country? and resolved that I would find every way for a talented person to get into any country they wanted. And as luck would have it, was invited by the former head of, you remember when it was called the INS? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hasn't been that for a while. He was a, a Reagan appointee and another a British barrister to form a law firm. Think about this, mid-1990s, right? And they, uh, they liked the fact that I had been, at that point, deputy attorney general and knew how to work with politicians. They liked that I could write pretty well, but mainly they respected the fact that I knew how to work a computer, which wasn't <laughs> wasn't true of everyone, certainly not all lawyers back then. And even then, they were prescient about the role computers might play. So we were in Silicon Valley at a time when business immigration as a field was taking off, and I realized that there were 17 ways to mess up an H-1B visa, at least 30 ways to ruin a, a green card process if you didn't stay on top of each step. And, and if everyone didn't have transparent access to what was going on, all the stakeholders, the, the legal side, the company side, several players. And then my co-founder had passed away. So just, you know, it was one of those things that came out of sort of desperation. I was, I was not sleeping well. <laughs> and so we thought to build a, a program back in, I want to say, 97. We started to build it and launched it in 98. And because we were the first to have a non-proprietary system, one that we were willing to share with other firms, it became rolled out to, well, at this point, hundreds of the top-rated immigration firms and many top companies to do the work. So anyway, the quick answer is a 
combination of desperation and lucky timing. <laughs> That's how I got into legal tech. <laughs> and since then, we just found a couple other areas of uh, to innovate in, and it's, it just we, it gets fun, right? Absolutely. And flashing forward to now, you look at what's going on in immigration. And I had the great pleasure of sitting and listening to one of your colleagues talking about the problems that face folks who want to go to the United Kingdom, London, etc. And it was just breathtaking. I, I was so mesmerized as they went through this problem and this problem and this problem and the, and what happens if you mess it up and so forth and so on. Now, today, I can't imagine a law firm dealing with tech that wasn't automated. Let's flash forward to now. And it seems to me, especially after participating and listening to the uh, program that your staff did earlier this year, what are the key issues for global employers that are relative to immigration right now? What are the problem areas? Thank you. Yeah, there are a few. And as soon as you say global, you know that one of the issues is communicating in real time with everybody wherever they are. And that is in terms of people having access to the information they need. And uh, another thing is understanding that there are so many differences. For example, I think you attended a session on the UK yesterday. There was one on, on Asia Pacific. And there are things that will just bite you if you don't know. In the UK, an employer is responsible for updating an, one of their employees' home address information in a government system. This is not a concept that we have in the U.S., in Brazil, if you want to speak at a conference for a day, you need a work permit. Most countries, you don't. In China, they change the rules about who can go in to supervise technical people and when and how. So how do you, as an employer, make sure that all of your people are compliant? I know it's a boring word, but you are not getting caught up in some of these little minefields. So probably the biggest area we're seeing emerge now is in tracking your business travelers and making sure that they are truly just there as what that country considers to be a legitimate business traveler and not as somebody who has visa or tax issues. And for that problem, we had developed our latest product, which is a business traveler tool called Permiso, and it, which sounds like an Italian restaurant, but it, it, <laughs> it helps you to, to, uh, to evaluate. Permiso means may I and also permit in some languages. And uh, so it tra just it sinks into your travel system, and, and this way we know even who's traveling, and it pulls that data because a big issue is, again, if the bigger companies get the more global, one person is doing the travel booking, if they are at all. Another is doing immigration for cases they know. Somebody else is on tax and uh, other is on relocation. So like all good management systems, we have a CRM-based program to make sure everybody can see in what's happening and that the right, uh, you're caught, you're at the right point and caught, and I mean caught saying, ah, I see you're going to Brazil. See, you've been there twice already because I just got, I pulled the information from your travel system. So here, let me tell you what you need to know. And you have to answer this one question for me to know whether or not you even need to talk to a tax or legal advisor. It would seem to me that as the world becomes one big one big company sometimes it feels like. What happens with the global companies where they may want to send one of their key people 
for three months or a year or six months. When I was listening to the UK program, it was just overwhelming. I mean, what are some of the problems that can happen if you don't do this right? Oh, yeah, well, this, <laughs> so the worst case scenario is the fine, like, you know, one big technology company was fined $34 million last year for mischaracterizing, allegedly, whether people were there as legitimate business travelers or whether they really were doing work, and this is in the U.S. So uh, I was in the news, so I'll say it was Infosys, and it just took one person to say, no, 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 those people who were in for three months really our government should see them as a different way, and they blew the whistle. And so that's the worst case. That's an extreme one. Much more commonly, we are seeing people being sent back as they're trying to enter a country uh, in some places. More likely in Asia, you'll see even offices being visited to see who's actually there. So I don't like to do scare tactics things because I think companies know what their issues are. But it's happening more, and why that is happening more has to do with, of course, post-9-11 rules that came in. Our government mandated that anybody who wanted to visit us has to have a machine-readable passport. There were some countries that didn't really want to invest in that, but they did. <laughs> and then they have figured out they have a way of tracking all of a sudden, just because, the, as you know, the rules for the Western Hemisphere Initiative went in a few years ago. So now we're seeing this huge uptick due to local politics, due to labor union pressure, various things, but mostly due to each country's ability to know exactly who's come in for how many days and uh, and catching people. So was your question, what can companies do about it? Yes, yes. So there's no substitute for tra- educating training. I know it sounds like you've heard it before, but there's so much opportunity now using technology to communicate. So example, we have developed a wiki, and I've seen other good firms do this sort of thing. It's a, we call it a wiki. It's really just it's a SaaS, a product that is like it's, a, it's an instant intranet for a global company that, that needs all of its employees to know what are not just the rules of every country, but also what are our company's policies, what are the issues that we're concerned about. Uh, because, for example, we know one company that does one of our, our clients is a big name in video games, and we know when they're going into Canada doing motion capture work, they have equipment with them, they're going to be caught. So you put in place uh, measures to know about these things in advance. And I've mentioned the travel tool being one, but I find this very helpful because we have such literate people now to have this base, this whatever you want to call it, an online center where somebody can go before they're going to be going to another country and say, okay, these are the allowable activities for business visitors, and that's maybe one screen. And these are the activities that are going to trip me up. And, you know, and this is where I go to get this answer, and there are links. And, and so we find that, that having it accessible, making sure it's on both the travel site and your wherever you do global mobility or human resources, it's all by single sign-on, right, so anyone in the company can have access. So just put it up everywhere <laughs> to make sure people don't miss it and get them knowledgeable. And then when you know you have groups of people doing certain things, just get proactive. We saw people going, uh, Brazil's a tough place to get a work permit, right? So we see some companies having employees, ooh, flying in maybe three days a week, maybe like seven weeks in a row <laughs> out of Miami. And, uh, you know, you got to catch that stuff and then educate them and before they get that nasty visit, right? Julie, is there more complicated if the place that the employee is going to 
he or she has relatives in the area. Does that complicate Mm -hmm. the process at all? It can, and also it can complicate if you're traveling with family. It depends on the country, which is why it's so important to leverage the tools that are out there to find out which are the you know red flags per country. But when you know when you come into the U.S. as a business visitor, you're supposed to be. It's just very our laws are very binary, very clear. So you you are saying I'm just coming for this one thing, and if they suspect that there's a different thing. They suspect you want to marry a citizen of the place. They suspect that you have family who you want to reunite with. Then they are supposed to flag you and put you in secondary. So these are all the sorts of things you want people to know how to answer and not answer a question. And uh, I definitely had people ask some personal questions. (laughs) I remember uh, one was a fellow, he's actually a comedian, who was a global business traveler and consulting, and he went. He was going to Israel with his girlfriend, and they ask a lot of questions about, you know, do you have family here? Do you have this? And then, by the way, what's your relationship with this woman right here? And he went into this whole thing about, you know, well, we were traveling in Italy together, and I thought it was going okay, but then it started to go kind of south. And she's his girlfriend kind of you know, elbows him and says, "I'm his girlfriend. <laughs> we're both Americans." <laughs> You have to know what their purpose is in asking. They just they just want to get through the numbers. Too much information in that case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do have one thing I wanted to say in that context. So this is just a plea I make to everybody. If you don't have global entry yet, go get it. Our U.S. Trusted Traveler Program, and it's 20 bucks a year basically. And it conveys to the entire world that you are not a criminal and you are so much less likely to be asked these other questions, or to, you're, you're going to get more trust from the, whoever the officer is because through Interpol and other places, our governments are sharing this information. So a global entry is just a, you get a five-year thing for 100 bucks, and you guys have seen how you fly through TSA pre-check, right? You don't have to take off your shoes and all of that. Oh, I and love that pre. For all, for, all, for all the airlines, even if you're not a high status on that airline, so just for the time savings, it's worth it. But speaking as immigration counsel, I love it because of how it communicates that you're, you're safe to an officer and you're just so much less likely to be hassled. And then remember that so many countries have this program now. The U.K. has what's called registered traveler that U.S. citizens who go there a couple, three times a year can use. It's quite easy to do it online. There is, I was just in Mexico a couple of days ago, and they have Viajero Confiable, which is, again, Trusted Traveler. Wherever it is, just if you qualify, go get it, because you don't hear of people running into the same, let's say, misunderstandings about family relations or what they're doing on this trip. I can't agree with you more. I was getting tree pretty much all the time because of my status on United, but then every once in a while you wouldn't, and we got some sort of a letter saying, go get it. And it was painless, yeah. absolutely painless. Yeah. And it's the best $85 I've ever spent in my life. You know, yeah. Right now, I don't go internationally, but there was a period in uh, when I was at ALM where I, mm-hmm. I went four times to London and to Rio all in one year. So I had the beloved 100K status, which was absolute heaven. Uh, that, of course, did not happen as a regular year. But I completely agree with you. It is so worth the time. And they give you an appointment, but you can also just go. And if they have time, they will put you in. And I went like at 10 minutes to four. I was out in 10 minutes. You know, So I highly recommend yeah. it. It's very quick. And so it's $100, globalentry.gov, in case anyone's wondering. 
And that's, that is additional to the TSA one, correct? No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. If you get globalentry.gov, you get the benefit of both uh, Oh, perfect. Yes, they pre-check on all the airlines, and it's $100 per year, but a lot of your credit cards will reimburse it, uh, and you have the benefit oh, of coming into the country, Yeah, like I did the other day, where you don't have to talk to a human being. You just go right in. It's a real big ego booster yep. because it says diplomats and, and global entry. <laughs> yeah. I was recently in Toronto and had the same experience. We're running out of time, so I want to leave a little bit of time for you to talk about the work you do on a topic that's of great passion to both of us, which is helping women get involved in STEM. But before we do that, I just have one quick question. Stepping back now, we've both been in the industry for 20-some years. What do you see in immigration as the most important tech, and how has that changed from your point of view, how we deal with the world we're in now? I think it is leveraging the systems to do you know, what they do best to avoid errors and pitfalls and then, you know, the communication. So I gave the example of the immigration catches you and tells you what to do and keeps everyone on track for Tracker I-9. That stuff is just, it makes it error-proof and takes away so much stress and just also millions of fines. That So the fact that it made us so much better while still preserving for the lawyers the stuff that lawyers and, and their staff, the things that only humans could do, looking and, and asking the right questions. And so uh, everyone was able to just get better treatment. Terrific. And let's wrap up with telling us a little bit about why you were in Mexico and what's going on. There's a thank you. This, uh, this one's called the C200, a committee of 200, but it's women who run companies, some of them very, very big, you know, Fortune 50 and um, others of us entrepreneurs. And we commit to reaching out to young women in business who are looking for coaching and ways to get to the next level. And uh, we were in Mexico, we were at Agave, which is like a warden of Mexico, and there were a lot of women who were picked as some of the best and brightest from Latin America, and they all were just exquisite English, amazing young women, asking good, hard-hitting questions. And I'll tell you, there were two types of questions that we'd love to answer. One relates to the whole lean-in, Shel Sandberg's book and the philosophy of of knowing how to get a seat at the table. And and they had a special challenge there because they all wanted to be seen as good girls and they're supervising men who are senior. And so we we talked a lot about how to, how to leverage mentors, among other things. You know, they realized that a lot of us had like two or three mentors were men because some, like my dad and your, you know, believed in us, right? So they wanted right. support. And so when do you have them be your advocate? And gosh, you just see their eyes light up because they get it. And the second thing we talk about is, well, some of us are really strong at engineering or technology. I wasn't, but I always kept up on math. So that's the M and the STEM. And so I just have a strong plea that anybody wants to do business, keep strong in algebra so that when you're sitting across your room, I mean, here I am, uh, not a, a computer science geek, and yet I can run a software company because if uh, money guys or anyone else is talking and I don't get it, I can stop and say, wait, I'll get there because I, I trust myself in math. In addition to math, remember how fun it can be nowadays to learn computer programming, even if it's just one or two areas, if it's just learning how to program an app, if it's learning how to do a website. It gives especially young women a currency and also a, a way of, of talking and feeling like they fit in. 
I can't agree more. And I would take that one step further. For those who are parents, be sure that you tell your girls every day that they can do anything they want. My father told me that, and he said, it's not going to be easy, but you can do anything you want. And I don't think I would have gone to law school if my dad hadn't said, why not? With that in mind, what a great conversation. I I just love talking with you, Julie, and thank you for joining us on Law Technology Now. As we depart, would you be so kind as to let our audience know how they might be able to reach out to you? Absolutely. If it's immigration law related, it's really easy. It's julie at immigrationlaw.com, <laughs> one word. And if it's technology related, it's julie.pearl at trackercorp.com, T-R-A-C-K-E-R-C-O-R-P.com. Julie Pearl, thank you so much. You are so knowledgeable about this, and I'm so glad we could share this with our audience. And next month, it will be Bob Ambrosi. I'm Monica Bay, and thanks for joining us on Law Technology Now. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.